0: Welcome to this very special edition of the KHM Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through the industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Ryan Hemingway. He's the managing director of Epic Ventures. Good morning. How are you? And we'll be talking to Integ. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Welcome to the show. Welcome to India. So we'll be talking about fintech, but first to start uh, with the, my first question to you, right, is, you know, you started as a flight instructor, instructor, uh, instructor and you were set to become a commercial pilot. And then now you are giving wings to others, you know, other entrepreneurs' dreams. What better than that? And you are doing it in a big way through Epic Ventures. That's the way I can put it. But from your point of view, if you can help us understand what exactly Epic Venture does, what you do, what you invest in, how do you invest it? No, great question.
1: Great question. So so Epic Ventures, were an early stage venture capital fund. And for those that aren't aware, that means we go out and raise capital from from other people it could be individuals could be institutions could be you know state pension funds etc we raise that capital and so epic ventures we just closed our 6th fund and there's about 170 million dollars there and then we take that capital and invest it into entrepreneurs that are that have you know ideas that are changing the world or or changing a market or whatever opportunities they find Um, you know, that we get behind them. And as you said, hopefully give them wings to help them accomplish kind of their dreams and their goals. And, and again, make everything more efficient and make people happier at the end of the day. And so so that's, so that's Epic at a high level. That's kind of what we do. And I said, I've been there with them for 12 or so years. Um, Again, we've been through, you know, we're on fund six now, um, so we've done a lot of investments and it's all software focused. So it's all um, enterprise software related and um, and then various industries from there.
0: Right. Software focused. So right, right now, you know, as we, we are talking about the future of FinTech and in a larger way uh, about technology itself. So at this moment, when we are talking, Ryan, how do you see things shaping up for tech firms, for your investment, and as well as, you know, largely in terms of fintech. How exactly would you put it is the time today in terms of all stakeholders who are involved in tech as well as as fintech?
1: Yeah. So as you know, right now, anyone that's watching the markets, right, there's a lot of turmoil in technology, particularly technology stocks. I mean, everything, you know, to be fair, you know, tech got a little bit ahead of itself. But um, I think we're going to see a correction here a little bit. And then and then we're back to uh, we're back to growing. I mean, the reality, in my opinion, is, you know, software, you know, software is everything is everywhere right it's automating it's automating processes it's creating better user experiences it's cutting time you know time to get uh tasks done down dramatically um so again and not that's not even mentioning all the entertainment side from the you know from the gaming side to the media side etc that there's entertainment there as well so as a whole, you know software's here technology's here to stay again, it's going through a brief little you know maybe correction call it, but then again, we're going to be back to uh, off to the races again. Um, regarding fintech specifically, right it, fintech, I know there's been a lot of discussion there's a lot of dollars right now venture capital dollars that it's it's um so the amount of capital that's gone into fintech is slowing down over the last. 12 months so there's a lot of talk about hey what's the future of fintech so i would i would say yes i've seen that number so at a high level that decrease in dollars going into venture capital is true but what i'm hearing from the banking side and again i spend a lot of time with retail banks here in the us uh, a number of those uh, again I've, i've got a lot of networks there the investment banks what i'm hearing from the banks is that there is still a heavy, heavy focus on adoption of technology. What can we do to improve our customer experience? What can we improve, What can we do to improve um, our customers? Not only, uh, you know, what they're doing with our products, they're improving their lives. So that is very much a talk. Again, in my experience, at the board level. For a number of the uh, the banks that at least that I'm I'm very familiar with, and those that I'm I'm even less familiar with. So I think the future for fintech is is very bright. I think you're going to see a lot of adoption going forward.
0: Right, right. That that's your view. Help us understand uh, this better, Ryan. That let's take tech and fintech. When we are talking of tech, there is a lot of talk about AI, and at this point in time, there were a couple of mentions and stories about it's almost like an AI winter where there will be not much funding happening. How, uh, how do you look at such a scenario when people are looking at things from that point of view? Will you find uh, this the right time to invest in new firms, early stage firms? How do you look at it? What will make you decide in terms of putting your money, supporting such, you know, such startups in terms of putting your money in there? Because these are diff- different times. And when they say AI win- uh, winter, how do you uh, differentiate tech beyond that? Because right now, everything is coming down to AI and machine learning. Now, let's look at, you know, we I'll come to that, the FinTech part of it. Now. If you look at the ABCD of fintech, then there is again the AI. The A is the artificial intelligence. The B is the blockchain. You see the blockchain situation right now. And then there is the cloud computing. And the D part is the big data. So how do you look at both these things together as the managing director of Epic Ventures? In the same people would like to understand and learn from you. How would you, how can they invest in a thing like that? Or a lot of firms are trying to be unicorn who are trying to move into the you know IPO stage and all. So, people would like to understand this whole scenario from you. Several questions at the same time, you know, in terms of tech, fintech, but they are so interrelated, all of them. And you know, I just wanted you to answer them at your own pace, the way you want to answer that. Nobody better than you to answer them. You put your hard-earned money, others' money, into the spaces that you find interesting, that you find them growing. Over to you.
1: No, it's a great Chris, a lot of questions there. So let me let me walk through. I'll try to go through one by one. And if I miss one, please, KK, please correct me and and I'll I'll address it. So at a high level, it sounds like your question is: you know, how do you, yeah, how do you pick, how do you differentiate between all the different technologies? Um, again, as it relates to you know, growing a company, either to unicorn status or specifically to fintech. And so, uh, so I would say you are right. There are a lot of cool technologies out there, right? AI, blockchain, cloud. I mean, you've mentioned a lot of them. So when I'm looking at a company, I think it's important to break those down into use case and how much value that technology delivers, Right. Blockchain as itself is a really cool technology. It does a lot of great things and it can accomplish a lot of great things. So when I'm looking at a particular industry, for example, like fintech or finance banking, and I'm looking at a company, I I have to ask that question to myself of how does this technology, what's the value add to a bank, for example, is it you know, where is, and where is that value coming from? Is it in, is it value in improved process? Is there, is there a speed up of tasks to be done? Is there an automating of tasks? Is there a, uh, or is it a better user experience? Um, Something along those lines. And then the analysis under that comes with, okay, how much of an increase in ROI may that be, for for said bank. So, for example, I did I, I invested in a company, um, Scion Digital, which is which is in you know it's it's a company that's built a platform to enable call it Main Street businesses to engage with and accept and work with digital assets, for example. And so the analysis there was very much that right. You've got okay, you've, you're using this type of technology. Where's the value add? and and i would argue that in all those technologies you mentioned i'm t- i'm taking the same approach with ai in fact i just i've been looking at a number of ai companies with the same lens right okay what specifically is the ai doing what what is that ai accomplishing for said group and what can what is the expected value add or return on investment with that particular with that particular technology, and so I, I take that approach uh, very much as a as a very first, second, and third step of understanding how that applies. Um, because, as you said, there is unbelievable amounts of cool technology, and at the end of the day, to build to build a great company and a unicorn type company, it's got to deliver a lot of value to a lot of people.
0: So, at this point in time, if you were to look. At the companies, will you look at the entrepreneur or will you look at the technology? Because many at times these technologies they sound all dependent on something new that is happening. In fact, take the example of even these big companies who are laying off people. In for them, COVID was the big thing, and this was the big window of opportunity for the future. And only out of this. Perhaps Apple is the one who has not cut uh, down on employees because they had that thing to look into the future, look at it much more rationally. That's how people are looking at it. So how do you as an individual, as a venture, uh, venture fund owner, look at things much more rationally? Can you teach us and not get swayed up by those you know, shining lights and those market exuberance. How, how does one do that? How do somebody sitting in another corner of the world, like in India, can understand these nitty gritties from a master like you and, make, uh, and do not make a fool of himself as well as the money that he's putting into such companies?
1: sure i think you know i think one of the advantages that that i do have sitting in this seat and again anyone in india that's investing in startups has is that when you're when you're investing in a private company those stocks aren't traded on an exchange right you're not watching those share value go up or down by second by second by second and so you avoid a lot of the, what I would say, the emotional, maybe irrational, maybe it's not irrational, maybe it is rational sometimes, but you avoid those emotional up and downs of the market. And I think what that allows you to do is get grounded in, in the fundamentals of the business that you've invested in. And, and so to, to jump back to your point about entrepreneurs is I would say the entrepreneur is absolutely critical. To the success of a venture, so there's the entrepreneur, their ability to, you know, build a team around them to execute, to go to market, Um, but also then there's the technology itself. So I think for anyone that's listening, I guess my advice would be, again, if you're investing in private companies, one, you've got the advantage of getting out of the ups and downs and sways of the emotional market, but two remember when you're, you know, you've got to stick with those fundamentals, right? Is the business really delivering, uh, delivering value? And if it is delivering value, then you should be gaining customers. If you're not gaining customers, spend some time and energy to understand why you're not gaining customers, right? Is that a, and you can break down each of those, each of the steps in that process, you would break down you know, by, by the number of steps, right? So each each step has a number of sub steps below that, right? So if you say, wow, we've got a really great product. Our customers love it. Um, it's delivering a lot of value, but we're not really growing. Well, it may be a customer acquisition problem and you can spend some time focusing on customer acquisition, right? Where, How are we getting customers? Are we not reaching out to the right people? Are we not getting enough? Are we not getting in front of enough people? If so, you know, maybe there's some steps to take there. Um, But I think that's how you stay grounded is continually focusing on the right, you know, the right problems, continuing to analyze the fundamentals, and keep digging deeper and deeper. And it's not a one time thing, by the way, KJ, as you know, it's a, it's an ongoing process, right? Every month, every week, there could be something new that you have to focus on and improve.
0: Right, right. Now, let's look at the future of these things. Or do you think, you know, for for example, let's look at fintech. Many a times people talk it about digital lending, then payments. And then there is the blockchain part of it. Their biggest thing is that, listen, we are going to serve the underserved. And especially talking about the lower 20%, 30%. And then it has not happened. The technology is good, but then there is there is a lot of fraud that happened, and now people are talking less about it. You saw, in terms of that, right now they are talking about technology. When they talk, when things are good, they talk about the rising prices. You see, uh, what you call the Bitcoin price. Every day people keep on talking about the price. When things are bad, or when they things, when they have to convince somebody, they will talk about oh about the twenty percent bottom percent uh, bottom people, and we'll be you know, helping them come into the system which banking is not able to do. Even perhaps your uh, your fintech system is not able to serve and let, let's bring them into the system through Bitcoin. In this contradictory state of affairs, how does a simple person look at investing, look at investing purely from a as a venture fund as well as, you know, purely as a customer? How would you ask them to look at these things which are still evolving. Everybody is talking, for example, there is this big thing EdTech. Everybody was talking about, you know, how it will change lives. Obviously, it is changing lives, but a lot of companies in EdTech are moving down to, you know, offline courses. They know it's a brick and mortar thing that will be there forever. Is it going to be the same in even in FinTech? Do you think see that as the trend? How do you look deep into the future and tell us what exactly you see?
1: Well, I think the future, again, my crystal ball may be a little foggy, but I'll give you my opinion. <laughs> I think the future of fintech is probably going to be, it won't be all or none. I think what will happen is you're going to see most financial transactions, most banking transactions, I think are going to take place digitally there's probably 80 90 percent that's all going to happen digitally like eventually it'll get there but i, I would say like your ed tech example right there is going to be a portion that's always going want you know they're going to want somebody to hold their hand they're going to want somebody to talk to they're going to want somebody that they can call up if there's a problem and say hey take care of this for me right but i do think fintech is is moving towards more digital you know, transactions in every way. And, and for example, you brought up a great example of the underbank, right? There's been a lot of startups targeting at the underbanked, right, to, to bring those people into the system, to help them get some of the advantages of, of accounts and interest and all that stuff. But one of the reasons, you know, if we back up and you can say, one of the reasons that they're not, being banked right now properly is because historically banks those again we've all heard of the 80 20 rule right 20 banks make 20 percent or i'm sorry 80 percent of their money on 20 percent of the customers and, and that's you know true to some degree give or take and those lower dollar customers have, have always been an expense to a traditional financial institution um but with the improvements in technology, like some of the things we've talked about, from you know cloud computing from AI to et cetera, it's driven the cost down on the on delivering services, goods, and services to those customers. So I do think while that while the adoption from that group that underbanked has been slow, what we're going to see is we're going to continue to see those expenses come down through the benefits of technology, and eventually we'll see more and more of those underbanked become banked, and that will be enabled by technology. There's not another way to do that. So I do think I do think we're going to continue to see adoption. Now, if I'm switching to again, I may be jumping around, KJ. So if I'm getting off topic, please correct no me. <laughs> but, no problem. But on the so so blockchain itself, right? It, it has changed a lot, and as you know, we've seen a lot of a lot of fraud. We've seen a lot of problems in this market, um, which is which is unbelievably unfortunate, as we can all agree. Um, but blockchain itself and the, all these DeFi protocols, right? These decentralized finance protocols has enabled. Um, has enabled a lot of people to take part in that in that world and to to do well i think what we've seen with all this fraud is there is a reason for regulation right regulation came about a hundred years ago in, in the u.s or you know whenever in the u.s banking system because of some of those problems and and it's not that blockchain's bad and it's not that all the players are bad and fraudulent. It's just we've seen a couple of major pieces of fraud. Um, but I think, again, if I'm predicting, I think from, from discussion I've had is we're going to see regulations step into that blockchain space a little bit, certainly in the U.S., um, and try to regulate away some of those risks um, that have taken place.
0: Right, right. Now let's look at this way. When FinTech was supposed to democratize democratize systems from large entrenched organizations, how do you look at it? Uh, Has it succeeded? Is there something lacking? Because blockchain, as of now, there are many questions on it. Technology may be good, but then it also talks about certain loopholes. A lot of countries are not. Confident about it. Uh, As of now, India too has a lot of, you know, reservations about something called cryptocurrency. We don't have any currency beyond the Indian rupee. There is a term crypto. We all know about it. So our RBI, Reserve Bank of India, the Federal Bank is coming out with its own version of, you know, digital currency. We call it digital currency. So FinTech uh, bank system has not worked in this way. It has not been able to serve Everybody, and then again, there is an entrenchment in terms of you know some people some banks holding too much of control and then blockchain came in people start saying, okay, this will give you that power you know underbanked uh, the power to bank and all and then they say, you can transfer money with, you know from one place to another where there is no sovereign guarantee where there is you know anybody can just uh, move from one place to another. And can, and you know, whether that is legitimate or illegitimate, it has to be seen from that point of view. What is the future in terms of you know, new technology, uh, in terms of banking, in terms of our lives that you see emerging? Because a lot of starters must be talking to you. Are there technologies where which will make our lives easier, or will it keep on exposing ourselves? I know. Future is digital. Digital is the future. But what about being uh, using digital, using technology for our betterment and not technology using it just the way, you know, when you talk of fintech, when you talk of tech, when you talk of banking, you come to chatbots. Everywhere you call, there is a chatbot there to answer you. How do you look at it? How does a person uh, look at the future in terms of, you know, beyond chatbots and beyond chat gpt creating so much of content
1: yeah i i mean i couldn't agree more i think i think you're right i mean the future is digital and i'll I'll take it just a little off topic now but um talking about chatbots i just met with a company the other last week or so and it's kind of the next iteration of the chatbot but it's a you kj could have your own digital ai avatar um, and you could feed that with you basically could give it all the interviews you've done all your anything you've written and it basically speaks and responds like you i mean that's that's anyway that's a little off topic there kj but but you could you and i could be having i could be having this discussion with your ai avatar at some point
0: <laughs> right right they are they are creating some podcast you know uh, between historical characters by creating something and you know it's Comes out as an interview uh, with as as if you know if you if you don't tell them that these are uh, these are the characters which are no longer alive, people would probably not know about it. And that's <laughs> in fact a lot of things are happening in terms of you know asynchronous podcasting where you know you don't uh, you are not bound by timelines or in terms of you know locations and time zones. You can record at different time zones and it will come out as an interview as if. Everybody has get done the interview together, but in terms of you know somebody who is getting into uh, into funding, how would they look at the future? That's the only thing uh, that is very important to understand for anybody who wants to be you know get into this venture capital stuff. How do they look into the future? How do they actually pick the right companies for investing money?
1: Yeah, so. It's a great question. And it is is a challenging one. So one, again, we talked about specifically the value add. And again, I'm going to quote, I won't quote word for word because I I don't remember exactly. But Ev Williams, one of the co-founders of Twitter, um, he said, again, this is a long time ago, but he said, look, it's important to remember that technology itself is it's not a utopia, it's not something magical, right? He said, technology is an engine, it's a machine and it enables you to get things done, um, maybe faster, quicker, whatever. It, it just is a, it's an enablement machine. And he said, what you find is people want to do what they've always done, but they do look for ways to do it faster, cheaper, better, quicker, easier, etc." cetera. And so specifically around fintech, again, as far as, you know, has it really, you know, has blockchain and crypto really disrupted and destroyed the financial system as we know it and democratized everything? Well, obviously that hasn't happened, but I would, I would say fintech in in and of itself has made a lot of progress over the last number of years in areas of just delivering products, Right. We have seen an increase in the underbanked that have gotten access to product. We have seen a number of platforms that have popped up around um, you know, microfinancing and so I call it microfinancing, if you will, that has enabled borrowers that needed capital um, to get capital that, that not at exorbitant interest rates, like some of the payday loan stuff. We've seen a lot target there. And then, and on the other side, we've seen, you know, we've seen small businesses get access to credit and, and loans, for that matter, that in, in a fraction of the time. So, again, and again, in addition to that, we've seen a lot of younger people through Robinhood and some of these other betterments. We've seen them put money aside in investments, which we know is, you know, in the long run is likely to increase their financial livelihood. And so. I think you can go through each of these categories that are typically what we would consider as financial services, right, from, from loans to wealth management to payment transfer to, you know, et cetera. And if you took all these areas, I think what if we look back and really did a deep analysis of that, I think what we'd see is, yes, fintech has brought improvements to a number, um, to a number, uh, you know, to lots of people in a big way, because those products have delivered value, whether it's, again, whether it's a lower cost of, uh, you know, cheaper, faster, more efficient, etc. And so I do believe that we will continue to see that going forward. Um, I, I do, again, I do believe that. And that's why I'm spending a lot of time still looking at fintech um, around uh, around all of those areas. Right. Are you also looking at India, right? Um, we we haven't looked directly at India. I have got, again, the company that I mentioned previously, Scion Digital, uh, Sanehal, the CEO, has, has spent some time and he's working with some groups down there. And I know, again, and we've had, you know, development, uh, our companies have had development teams there uh, as well. So there's a lot, there's a lot of opportunity. I know in India, you've got a lot of smart, talented engineers and entrepreneurs there. I know for sure.
0: Right, right. A lot of people say uh, that initially, uh, you know, I, 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 can do with my own money, and I should avoid, you know, venture capital. Why do you say that? Is it, is it because they, they can come in and you know, uh, uh, make your life very difficult, or is it, is or actually, how much value do they actually add? Is, is funding actually needed for everybody? How should a Early stage startup. Look at at a person like you who is ready to put in money. No, that
1: and that is a fantastic question, by the way, because I think that's the right question that an entrepreneur should be asking. And if you look at the statistics, what you find is venture capital really funds about. I think it's less than one percent of all businesses. Right? We're looking for a very specific business. Uh, You know, that's got a a growth trajectory, that's got scalability, that's got but it's also in a a place where they need capital to kind of move to that next level and grow. I would say most entrepreneurs um, can probably get started with far less than that and build phenomenal companies. And so, again, your question is absolutely dead on every entrepreneur should be asking that because they don't necessarily need You know, ten million dollars to get going, right? In fact, if you look at the Inc. 500 list, you know, here in the states, right, the majority of those companies on that list get started with less than, I think it's fifty thousand dollars. So, you know, there's a lot of platforms that have enabled, you know, entrepreneurs to build and grow pretty successful businesses that didn't need venture capital. So, so. To anyone out there, yes, I would say as an entrepreneur, yeah, ask yourself, what's you know, how can I get started? What what's the amount of capital I really need to start, you know, selling this product, making you know, selling this goods, selling this software. And the chances are is you may you probably don't need a million dollars to get started.
0: You need much less than that. Right, right. And as a as a VC, how do you look at things, is it purely from a point of making more, you can you can be uh, open about it, uh, like is it purely about money or is it actually, you know, that's why you people ask, do VCs actually make a difference at any point in time? So is it only about making money or is it that there is some degree of satisfaction where you, one actually looks at and feels happy that yes, this is something, you know, I have added value to help this company grow because it had a good idea.
1: I, I think again, personally, Hey, look, we all, we're all working to, to make it, you know, make money, right? That's just part of life. But I would say, I don't think, I, I think the best VCs and investors are those that find satisfaction in helping someone to grow. I mean, if you don't, if you don't enjoy, I would say where I spend a lot of time with entrepreneurs and and again, believe me, you, you know the startup world is super fun, but it's full of its own headaches, right? I mean, nothing goes easy, like it, right. you, you know those projections that are hockey stick and just go up and to the right. You know, occasionally those don't happen. Right. <laughs> so so unless you really enjoy kind of working with entrepreneurs and working through and solving those problems and taking some satisfaction in seeing someone be able to accomplish those goals and their goals. I think this is a, yeah, this is a tough road, right? I mean um, being a VC is a little more like a coach, right? Where you're working with, you're working with your companies and you're trying to help them be better. You're trying to inspire them to be better. And what can I help you to achieve those goals that you want to achieve? And I think that's the, I think that's the mindset that you kind of have to have um, to be, you know, to be very, I mean, to be successful
0: right right uh I, i'm just while you were talking you know that it's not an easy work uh, uh for anybody to do is it is it because a lot of people would want to be a, you know in your shoes in your place how how should they look at it is it is it a good life is it a happy life how do you look at things because you have to look into the future you look have to look at the entrepreneurs whether they have a future themselves and the idea has a future at all and then you got to after some time the the period is quite long you have to actually have a lot of patience so somebody who wants to get into your side what do they need any particular uh, sort of a training their mindset how does it work because you chose this line you have done your mba from uh, from oxford and you are a, a bs in psychology ms in economics with so much of things you could have lived a life with lesser headache than you have at the moment and perhaps a little bit of less money. How, who, is this, who is this job for actually? Is there a particular way to look at it?
1: I would say, yeah, there There probably are jobs that have less headaches. <laughs> but I would, again, for me, again, I don't want to speak for me, but I do enjoy working with entrepreneurs and if, and if it's and I do like solving problems and hard problems. And so I think... One of the benefits uh, from from being in, in this role is, you know, there's a lot of variety, right? I mean, again, I don't just focus on fintech. That's kind of my main area of, of expertise, but I, I do have other areas. So, so I may, you know, jump, you know, different problems throughout the day. Um, so I like the variety. I like the challenging problems. Um, and I, I really enjoy working with entrepreneurs, right? I love to see them succeed. And again, I hope, I, you know, I wish the best for everyone that I work with. And that's part of the enjoyment. As far as building up the skills to kind of get into this role, I would say, you know, think about, so think about what I do as a VC, right? There's really three things that I do on any given day, right? Um, there's find new deals to invest in, there's working with, the, where's working with the portfolio companies that I have invested in. And then we raise capital. So at any given time on any given day, something that I'm doing falls in one of those categories. And again, as you heard me talk about when you're looking, when you're doing diligence on a company to invest in, you're thinking about that from a perspective of what's the value added to that, to that, um, what, what's, what value is that software adding I would say you can take that same lens and look at again yourself as an individual and say, okay, how can I add values in one of those categories? So again, if we go back to those three, right? What skills do I need to add value if I'm looking for new deals? Right? What what networks do I have? Because that's a lot of deals come through different networks. Do I have? do i have a channel do i have a network that's going to that has deals that i'm connected to interesting opportunities etc um so there there's a good one but the second one working with portfolio companies and i think this is where a lot of people can can improve significantly is right if i'm on the board of one of my companies and they have a problem do i have some experience to draw on to help solve that right how am i going to help them um, so and, and you can pick you know there a company does a lot of things, but you can pick a few areas to be an expert in, right? Well, maybe it's sales and marketing and go to market strategy. and then I would say you can spend a lot of time learning not only online but you could do it at university or you can you do it by by getting involved with companies to say, you know what are the best practices, what are the kind of things we can do, what will improve, et cetera. And then and then raising capital again. That's the same. You know, you can ask yourself the same thing. How could I? How could I add value there? And again, if you kind of do that self analysis under that lens and say, um, I've got some value to add there. And by the way, I, I like you know some of the things I've said. I really like challenging problems. I like you know the variety. I like working with entrepreneurs, helping them succeed. Like if that all sounds great, then yeah, I would say this is certainly a a career
0: path that's worth pursuing wonderful wonderful that's a lot of insights information as well as learning Ryan. my <laughs> last question to you is that well you there are only some things or a lot of things or many things that money can do and you deal with money talk money and you know live money for a lot lot, lot of part of your day how is it? That at the end of the day, you detach yourself with this all this money talk and be yourself. How do you live your own life, be happy? What is it that you want to achieve after achieving already so much? Is it also again about money?
1: Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great question, right? How do you how do you kind of live? And I think, um, you know, there's a number of things that can that can ground you. So I try. You know, I do like working with entrepreneurs. I like working with others. Um, so I work with a lot of the universities around here. So I, I go up. Um, in fact, I'm going up uh, tomorrow to, to talk with the class and present on, on FinTech, surprisingly. Not, not surprisingly. <laughs> but but I, I work and I'm on, the, I'm on the founders board up at the Entrepreneur Center up here. So I, I've mentored a lot of students. Uh, again, I try to spend a lot of time giving back. That That's not about money at all. It's just about trying to help succeed. Um, you know, family is obviously important. I try to come home and be, you know, one of the things I've talked to my kids a lot about is, you know, just being where your feet are. <laughs> so when I'm here, yeah, look, there's, look, it just, it comes up, right? I'm going to be somewhere and have to take a call and have to get on this and that's fine. But, but trying to just consciously trying to, when I'm here, be here, when I'm with my kids, be with my kids, when I'm at watching my daughter dance, I'm there, I've got my phone in my pocket and I'm engaged or vice versa. So again, there's not a silver bullet answer, I think, to that, KJ, but I do think it's a great question. And I think what it is, the short answer is, I think consciously, it's just an effort of, I'm here, I need to engage, right? I need to engage.
0: On this note, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thank you very much for having me.